You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday at 9 a.m. for small groups, 10 a.m. for worship, or anytime at asburybosier.org. Thank you uh, for the uh, music this morning. Um, The second song, um, Give Me Jesus, is one of my favorites. Um, And uh, when I served a church uh, in Oklahoma uh, many years ago, uh, in the pulpit they had a little plaque right where you can't see right now, but where I could see or anyone could see, and it simply said, Give Them Jesus. And I thought that was so powerful that every time you stepped into the pulpit in that little church, uh, the person in the pulpit saw that and had that reminder. Well, uh, this is the third and I think final uh, part of the series and the series of A Thankful uh, thankful Neighbor. Um, And um, I want to read to you today... um, a scripture from uh, the Gospel of Luke, the 17th chapter, beginning with the 11th verse. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. Three-year-old Sarah. Have you got the picture? She is full of life. She's bouncing around the backyard at every little new uh, discovery that she can find. And she's just uh, thrilled with her life. She runs into, through the back door and into the kitchen. And she says to her mother, banana mama, banana. And her mother handed her a banana. And she turned and ran to the back door and her mother said, Sarah, What's the magic word? Sarah turned and thought for just a second and she said, please thank you, you're welcome. And, and, and I love you, mama. Well, uh, the mother got a lot more than what she asked for, but what she was asking for, the word was thank you. She understood how important it is for all of us to be thankful and to express that thankfulness. And just as important, she knew how much it was necessary to teach three-year-old Sarah about that as well. Well, uh, Thanksgiving, uh, giving thanks, 
appreciation, gratitude, whatever you might want to call it. Um, it's learned. We don't automatically have that kind of uh, uh, part of us uh, when we first come into this world. In fact, let me say it this way. When we come into this world, we don't come into this world as thankful or grateful people. Would you agree? Now, I love children, but anyone who's been around babies and little small children know that they are self-centered and impatient, uh, feed me, hold me, burp me, sing to me, rock me, and I want it right now. That's the way they come into this world. Um, and I, I just think that one of the, maybe the, but certainly one of the greatest signs of spiritual maturity is being able to say thank you in so many different situations. That's why we teach our children to say the blessing when they're real, real young. Uh, do you remember the childhood blessing that you memorized and that you said? Remember that? Mine was, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. And I said that. I don't know how old I was when I stopped saying that uh, and went to something uh, you know, else and all. But um, it is, you know, saying, stopping to say thanks is, is, is just uh, so important. And it's so, really, it's, it's so precious uh, when we do that. That's what our, our scripture in Luke 17 is all about. Um, there are 10 lepers and Jesus and his disciples are making their way from Galilee up in the northern part of Judea, down the several days walk to Jerusalem. And when this event takes place, they're between, on the border between Samaria and Judea. And they hear screaming, loud voices. And Jesus knows who these people are, this group of men over there. They're about 50 feet away, about a half a football field away. Um, and that's, we know that because that's by law, Jewish law, how far uh, lepers had to stay away from normal people. Uh, but they're crawling, have mercy on them, have pity on us. And apparently Jesus walks over close to them, which would have been a, a, not a good thing in the eyes of Jewish officials and talks to them. We don't know exactly what was said, but we do know what he said to them after he spoke to them a few minutes. He said, go to the priest. Now, why would he say that? The priests were the authority to pronounce whether or not someone had been healed. And in this case, cleansed from their leprosy. I mean, it was a good thing, really, because you wouldn't want people with leprosy whom they considered to be contagious to just say, I'm healed and go back into 
uh, society and all. So it was a safeguard. So when Jesus said, go to the priest, it was an act of faith on the leper's part, wasn't it? They weren't healed yet, but the scripture says along the way, they realized that they were healed. And they all 10 immediately ran back to where Jesus was and thanked him. Right? No, no. Only one did. Only one did. And he was a Samaritan. In fact, he was a double outcast. He was an outcast because he had leprosy and he's an outcast because he's a foreigner who the Jews considered to be unclean and all. So show yourself to the priest and uh, was really uh, an act of faith. Now I want you to think with me a minute. What are your thoughts right now when you think about those nine lepers who didn't go back to thank Jesus? What do you think about them? i tell you what I think. Those sorry, no good excuses for a man. They should have gone back and thanked Jesus. I would have. Or would I? Would I have? You know, how often do you thank Jesus? for all that he's done for you, for dying for you, dying for your sins, for coming to this world to uh, give us an an example of what God is like and to show us a pathway for living. How often do you go out of your way in your prayers or otherwise and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me? Now, I'm pretty hard on these nine lepers, but... Uh, get the picture just for a moment. What would you have done if you had been healed of leprosy? And the priest said, you're cleansed. They were probably on their way home to tell their family and to celebrate and all. Maybe somewhere along the way they said, you know, we didn't, we probably should have thanked him for this. But you know, if I go back now, it's several miles walking back. And by the time I retrace my steps here and I get home, it'll be dark. I'll thank him the next time I see him. You've done that, haven't you? Someone has done something in, in the store that either personally benefited you or something that didn't even at all benefited you, but you were so thankful to see someone who would act like that. And you thought to yourself, I, I ought to say something to them about that. Tell them I appreciate that. But you walk to your car, and about halfway you say, well, I'll... and it, get, it doesn't get done. So, you know, I guess maybe we shouldn't be too hard on them because we have some of those same kind of problems ourselves. So stopping to say thanks. I'm so grateful for so many things and I'm so grateful to, to Maddie for setting up the, the, 
the cross out there in the in the lobby where you can just on a little sticky uh, note you can say it one word maybe that you're thankful for and put it up there and I hope you'll do that before you leave today take the time if your family's with you that's a good family thing to do uh, and it's a great place to take a picture too so uh, and all but uh, we're all thankful for so many things many of the same things but I, what I want to do this morning is highlight maybe three things that encompasses a lot of those uh, that I'm thankful for and, uh, and, and wrap around this idea of being a thankful neighbor as we go through these things. So the first thing that uh, I would say is that um, I'm so thankful for the church. Whenever I, I use that word, what's church? What's the first thing that comes to your mind? Well, let me tell you, for, for me, sometimes it's this building. And when I was growing up, if, if, if my parents told me to go down to the church or meet them at the church or be there at a certain time, they didn't say go to the church. They said go to the church house. That's an old term, uh, the church house, the, the building, the physical structure. Uh, I may think I'm thankful for the specific church, for Asbury. But the New Testament writers used a word for church. Remember the, the New Testament was the original language was Greek. And the Greek word for church that used is, is ecclesia, ecclesia. Think the modern English word ecclesiastical pertaining to church and all. But the definition of, of ecclesia is a body of believers doesn't say anything about a building. Uh, the Christian church is a body of believers in Christ. Okay. So when I say I love the church or I'm thankful for the church, what I'm really saying, if I stop and think about it, is I'm thankful for the body of Christ. I'm thankful for you that are sitting here this morning. I'm thankful for those that are, that are watching. I'm thankful for those everywhere who profess Christ and uh, are in church this morning. That's, that's what it means to be uh, a, the church. Um, the, um, I have a friend who is a, a, a member of the body of Christ uh, that comes to mind, and uh, his name, some of you will know this name, is Reverend Ken Norton. Ken was associate pastor here at Asbury seven or eight years ago uh, for a few years and uh, was a beloved uh, character. And if you know Ken, when I say character, uh, you'll know what I'm talking about there. Uh, but I had lunch with him recently, as I often do, uh, and uh, I, I was thinking about this sermon, uh, and I started talking to him about what he was thankful for, and I was telling him some of the things I was thankful for. And, uh, and most of the time when we do that, it's things that benefit us in some way. I'm thankful that someone gave me a gift. 
you know, that benefited me. But I asked him this question, uh, and you may have heard Tommy or Maddie mention this, this question uh, in the last two Sundays. What are you, Ken, what are you thankful for that doesn't now or didn't at the time benefit you in some way? I thought that would be a kind of a, for me, I had to stop and think about that. He immediately said, Louis Cobb. I said, Louis Cobb, what do, you, what, do you, what do you mean? Tell me about that. He took a deep breath and he started to speak slowly as if he was, if, as if he were going back in time, which he was. He said, when I was a student at Centenary College, my second year there, um, he said my dad called me and told me that he couldn't afford to keep sending me to Centenary and that if I wanted to stay there, I was going to have to get a job. Well, I didn't want to leave, he said. Um, so, so I said, well, I'll, I'll go find a job then. He heard that Cobb's Barbecue, right across the street on King's Highway from Centenary, it's that old stone building there that you'll see when you pass. It's a couple of doors down from Strawn's Restaurant. Uh, and, uh, but that was Cobb's Barbecue at the time. So he went over and met Mr. Louis Cobb. Uh, he described Mr. Cobb like this to me. He was... Uh, he sounded mean. He was gruff. He was intimidating. But whatever I said, I got the job. And he told me to be at work the next day. Well, when I got, by the way, the job that I was hired to do uh, was to work at the front counter and to um, take orders and, and take payment and things like that. When I got there, uh, Louis Cobb threw an apron at me and said, Norton, and he said, that's what he always called me, Norton. Norton, we got pots, pans, and dishes that need to be washed. Get back in the kitchen and get started. He said, well, Mr. Cobb, I, I thought I was hired to work up here. He said, well, Norton, do you want the job or not? So Ken said, I went back to the kitchen and it was piled high with dishes from that morning and it looked like some from the day before. Barbecue was caked on everything. Uh, there was no air conditioning back there. It was hot. Uh, I had to scrub and he said it was miserable. By the end of the day, and by the way, about as soon as I'd get through with one load, here comes another one coming in. And so that's what I did the whole first day. And I'm wondering if this is a job I need to have anyway. So, but he came back the next day and, uh, and uh, Louis Cobb did this to him. He went back to the kitchen again. And uh, this went on for about a week or so, every day. You know, he had to have a job. You know, he didn't feel like he could quit uh, if he wanted to stay at Centenary. And uh, he said, this happened. He said, it was something that I'll never forget. He said, 
something happened that washed over me and through me that said, Ken, you need to get a better attitude about this job. It said that um, you need to be a little more cheerful. You need to be kinder to the people back here you're working with. And he said it was almost as if I couldn't ignore it. So he said, I started. He said, I started by just whistling. He said, and I sang along. And when I would come in each day, I would speak to people and ask them about their day. And, and just my attitude was a complete opposite of what it had been. Well, I guess it, he said, I guess it's because I was singing extra loud that day. Uh, Louis Cobb walked back in the kitchen said, Norton, what's going on in here? And then I, he said, I explained to him about the attitude and how I felt like that's what I was supposed to do. And uh, he reached over and grabbed a clean apron. He threw it at me. He said, you finally get it, don't you? He said, now get back up there in the front and get to work on that counter. Now, if you know Ken Norton today, or recently, you know he's one of the most inspiring and uplifting and positive looking people that you'd want to meet. You're not going to meet him without him giving you a big belly laugh about being so glad to see you or how you're doing. Uh, he may tell you a joke along the way. You know, we talked about the children um, with the blessings. You know, God is great. If you've ever heard him say the blessing in a group, uh, he often will say something like this. He said, Lord, thank us, thank you for these vittles, and we pray they don't go to our middles. That's Ken Norton. He'll have a joke for you, he'll have something for you, and all. But what I'm trying to say is, he, he was so thankful, finally, for something that didn't seem to benefit him in any way, at least he couldn't see it at the time. The church is made up of people who are called to be thankful. And I'm so thankful uh, for you. Uh, I wonder what Bossier City would be like without the church. I wouldn't want to live here. The church is so important because the church is you. Well, the second thing that I'm thankful for in addition to the church is, is my Christian faith. Um, another definition. Uh, Hebrews 11.1 1 gives us a definition of faith. Faith is the confidence of things hoped for and the assurance of things not seen. I think the writer of Hebrews nailed it. Confidence of things hoped for, the assurance of things not seen. You know, there are some people who have faith, some people who do not have faith. Those who have faith, I think they're broadly speaking, I think they're two kinds of faith. Uh, let me illustrate one of them uh, by telling you a story about a monastery in Portugal uh, that was built sort of up at the very top of a steep bank of a mountainside up on the top and kind of into the side. The only way up there was up a steep 
uh, expanse of rock. And there was a basket at the bottom and it was pulled up to the top by several strong monks. Well, an American tourist decided he was going to try it. So he got in the basket and they pulled him up, pulled him up about halfway. He looked over and looked at the rope and it was old and it was frayed. Made him quite, quite nervous. When he got to the top, he asked one of the monks, uh, how often do y'all change that rope? And the monk said, whenever it breaks. Well, I think some people have, that have faith have that kind of faith. A whenever it breaks faith. Whenever I'm in the foxhole kind of faith. But not a faith that carries over once the crisis has passed. And then there are those who have what I call a living faith. A faith in the good times, a faith in the bad times, a faith in the middle, but a faith that is a way of life. It's, it's ingrained in you, just like gratitude can be ingrained in you as, as a way of life. Uh, and so I'm thankful for you as the church. I'm thankful for my faith that allows me to to uh, be able to re relate well to my neighbor, no matter what my situation might be. And then lastly, I'm thankful for the Christian gospel. There's one more definition. You know what the gospel, what the definition of the gospel is? You know, we got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We say those are the four gospels. But again, the Greek word for gospel is very close to the English word, but it simply means good news. And the Christian gospel then would be the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, and I, you know, when, we, when that good news gets to be a part of us, we can't help but be thankful for so many things but especially for the church and especially for our faith and, and of course for Jesus, for Jesus Christ. There was a little boy who went in the pet store. He had his money in his pocket. He was gonna buy him a little dog, a little puppy. And so he told the owner and the owner whistled and coming around the corner were four little puppies. You, remember, you know how puppies will slide across the tile when they try to make the turn? They slid across the, the tile. They were yipping and uh, wagging their tails. And uh, about that time, a fifth puppy came around the corner, straggling and dragging his hind leg. And the boy said, Mr., what's wrong with that puppy? He said, well, uh, he's crippled. It's gonna be that way, I'm afraid. We took him to the vet, and the vet said he had a, a weak leg, is the way he put it. And the boy pulled out his money and said, I'll take him. That's the one I want. And the man said, son, you don't understand. This, this dog, this is going to be crippled. It's going to be like this the rest of his life. And the little boy walked uh, up closer to the man. He pulled up his pants leg 
And the man saw that he was wearing an iron brace. And he said, Mister, this puppy is going to need somebody who understands. Jesus Christ, I'm so thankful him for him because he's human enough to understand us and he's divine enough to forgive us. Where did that little boy learn that? You know where he learned it. He learned it more than likely from a Christian mother. More than likely he learned it from church. As he grew his faith, as little boys will as they grow older, he learned it from that. And he learned it by finding out about who Jesus was why he came and what he means to us. Let me ask you this. You know, I would just encourage you in your prayer time to thank Jesus for all that he's done, all that you've forgotten that he's done or neglected that he's done. In your out and about time, that you won't be like the nine lepers who failed to come and thank Jesus. That in your out and about time, that when someone does something, don't neglect to thank them. Most of us can do that pretty well, but it's when it causes us a little trouble or a little inconvenience that it doesn't get done. But when you're out and about and you see someone do something good for someone else that doesn't benefit you, get out of your car, go back in the store, and let them know how much you appreciate it. What am I saying? Be like that one leper who went back and fell at the feet of Jesus thanking him and worshiping him. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray.